Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. We're continuing our, our, uh, our uh, following Jesus around in his healing ministry. Um, and we're going to talk about the Galilean leper and the heart of God. The Galilean leper and the heart of God. Details are important. Again, we talked last week about how that the authors of the scripture oftentimes want us to feel like we're right there. They want us to feel like we are eyewitnesses to what's happening. And they will use what is called the historical present in the Greek, where even though it is a past tense thing that has happened, they will use a present tense, and I'm going to be rendering those, the historical presence, as presence tonight as we look at this. And one of the things that we, you know, let's know, tonight I really want us to get our heads wrapped around it. These stories, these things, these are not just stories, these are actual occurrences. Jesus really did this, He really healed this leper, all right, or actually the Father through Jesus uh, healed the leper. And there were, John says that if all of the things that Jesus had done were written, that the earth wouldn't even be able to contain the scrolls. Now, of course, that's hyperbole, but he means that only the smallest percentage of the things that Jesus did were actually documented for us. So that tells me that the ones that are documented for us are documented with purpose. That there is more there than just a cool story about how Jesus did thus and so. There is theological messaging. There is, there is a, the, the evangelists are in the Holy Spirit is trying to convey something to us as we, you know, uh, I, I love the, you know, that used to be that um, the, the back in the, the days of the Enlightenment, they were afraid of the supernatural. They were afraid that with the scientific method, you know, coming in and everything that the church was going to lose its relevance because people would no longer believe in the supernatural. And so what they did was they talked about how that the miracle is actually that the, the record of the miracle is like a nut and that. That is that the, the supernatural is the shell. It has to be stripped away so that you get to the core meaning of what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us there. That, that, that the miracle was just a myth that, you know, was used as a, as, a, as a literary device. And so that there, you know, you have to peel away that layer. But I had a, 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 a I, well, I was a uh, fire-breathing, uh, tongue-talking, on-fire Methodist uh, professor who I think went to Asbury, believe it or not, um, who, who, told, who, who said this to us. He said, the gospel is not a nut. It's an onion. And if you, when you peel away all the layers of the supernatural, you will have nothing left because that is the essence of of God's love for us. Everybody say amen. Okay, we're going to read three passages from the synoptics. They're all concerning the same thing. And you'll notice that Matthew gives the shortest account. And Mark and Luke go into more detail. But I want to hit them all so that we can, <clears throat> excuse me, come back and look at them. And a leper, Matthew 8, 2 through 4. And a leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. 
And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately, everybody say immediately, immediately. his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus says to him, historical present there, and Jesus says to him, See that you tell no one, but go show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Going up to over to Mark chapter one, beginning with verse 40 through 45. And a leper comes to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion. There's a little addition there. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and says to him, I'm willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he, meaning Jesus, sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. And he says to him, see that nothing, you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, but stayed out in unpopulated areas. And they were coming to him from everywhere. I want you to look at that. It says he spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city. But stayed out in the unpopulated areas and they were coming to him from where? Everywhere. Luke chapter 5 verses 12 through 15. All these are from the New American Standard 85. And while he was in one of the cities, behold, a man covered with leprosy. Literally full of leprosy. Luke being a, a doctor was making a little, was charting the situation. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and implored him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And he stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him and he ordered him to tell no one but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing just as Moses commanded as a testimony to them but the news about him was spreading even farther and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses may the Lord add the blessing to the reading of his word we can go home now and be blessed amen <clears throat> but we're not going home now notice that that Matthew and Mark reference this man. And we're going to be looking at the theological uh, imaging here, not just the healing itself. He referred to him as a leper. We have no idea what this man's name was. I'm certain that he was in, I, just as certain as I can possibly be without it actually being recorded for us, that he was a disciple of Jesus all the way through and may have been one of the 120 to whom Jesus appeared you know, before his, after the resurrection and before his ascension. Yet we're not given his name. I think the reason we're not given his name is because his disease came to identify him. Are you, it's, you're a leper. Remember at one part it says that Jesus, in one place it says, Jesus was in the home of Simon the leper. A part of the scourge of, of this serious disease is, or any serious disease, is that it takes complete control of your life or can. 
You've heard me talk about that. One of my professors in seminary used to talk about how pain just controls us. You know, when we, when we have pain, you know, in, in some part of our body. Hey, you want to go to the store? Let me check with pain. Hey, you want to go out and get a bite to eat? Well, let me check with pain and see if it's okay. You know, we, you know, that's a kind of a crazy way to put it. But the fact of the matter is, it's absolutely the truth. Well, I don't know. I'm not hurt. I'm hurting. I, I don't I don't think I want to get out and walk, you know. And even today, illness swallows when you have a serious illness, big gulps of time, big chunks of money and emotional energy, getting chemo, getting radiation, operations, doctor visits, prescriptions. It, 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 and it doesn't just affect the sick person. But everyone connected to them. You know, it's just a burden. And it can make earning a living or even having a semi-normal life impossible. Think about the woman who was bent double and could not stand up. 18 long years she had suffered with that disease. Tell me that, that disease. And it was a spirit that was doing it. It wasn't controlling her life. You know, uh, health and healing is no small subject. I mean, just ask the politicians in D.C. Talk about Medicare. And here in Missouri, talk about Medicaid is the single biggest budget item for here in the state of, of Missouri. Note that, you know, and that we're seeing new infections and new diseases making inroads in, into the whole world and here to the United States. We've seen it in the last three years. And if leprosy was found in a house... It had to be thoroughly scraped inside and out. Leprosy is a systemic bacterial infection. They did not know that at the time, but that's what it is. And most forms are passed through contact. Now, not all forms of leprosy are um, communicable, you know, contagious, but most are. And those that are, are not even really highly contagious, but once infected, there was no cure. And so if it re, they scraped out the inside of the house and a mark, the mark reappeared and the priest went down and inspect, went in and inspected it. And he said, it's the mark of leprosy. The house had to be torn completely down and the rubble carried out of the city and dumped in an unclean uh, place. And I can guarantee you that homeowners insurance was not going to cover that. Now I want you to think about the theological message even in that from the Old Testament. Even in the New Testament, a house is representative of your life. And if you don't get that taken care of, eventually it's going to tear the house down. Dr. Luke says that this man was full of leprosy. It wasn't a mild case. It was advanced. It was debilitating. A case that would be called by those who saw hopeless by their technology, by their medical uh, ability. Luke, excuse me, Leviticus 13, 45 and 46 says this. As for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn and the hair of his head shall be uncovered. And another place it tells us it is to be disheveled and he shall cover his mustache and cry unclean, unclean whenever he goes anywhere. And he shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is unclean. He shall live alone. Make, now, leprosy is a type of sin. The rabbis used it all the time that way. It was understood to be that way. Sin will isolate us. No matter what we think. His dwelling, the leper's dwelling, shall be outside 
the camp wearing torn clothes. It's just like hanging a sign around your neck. And that's basically what it was. And disheveled and uh, unkempt hair, hand over the mouth, over the mustache, crying unclean. Legal and social ostracization. They were not to live in Jerusalem or any of the walled cities. They were to live alone. You've got to keep your distance from other people or be punished if you get too close. I want you to understand that God set down this rule not to punish the leper, but to protect the people who were not infected. He wasn't trying to, you know, the victims of this disease were suffering. They were oppressed. And think about this. What does it say in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38? You know of Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing and what? Healing. Everybody say healing. healing. All who were oppressed of the devil. Sickness is not blessing. It is oppression. The biblical principle was of, of segregation, of quarantine, was they, they didn't stone the leper. They didn't put the leper to death. But they said, you have to keep your distance. Why? To protect the people who didn't have it. This man was heartbroken. He was desperate. Apparently, you know, when Luke says that it was an advanced case, he had been leprous for some time. All three accounts have him coming and worshiping Jesus, kneeling or bowing low. A position of utter submission and self-humiliation. Mark chapter 1 and verse 40. It's, it says that he fell on his knees. And Luke 5 and verse 12 said he, was, he fell on his face and implored him. He was, he was almost wailing. I want you to think about this. This guy was desperate. And he was pleading. And... He called him master or Lord. Now that is not likely necessarily to mean much because any respected rabbi would be addressed with, uh, as, in that way. And perhaps he knew the scriptures, you know, um, he, he, uh, when it comes to healing. Because there were people healed of leprosy in the Old Testament. Um, you know, we all know the story of Miriam over in Numbers 12. Remember Miriam and Aaron rebelled against Moses. And when the cloud lifted after God had corrected them, Miriam was covered with leprosy. And, and Aaron was, was horrified and he said to Moses, Oh my Lord, don't let her be as one who is dead while she still lives. And we know she was healed because she was allowed to rejoin. And we know the story of Naaman the Syrian who dipped in the Jordan seven times at the word of Elisha. And came out with skin that looked. And, it, and the funny part of that is that the little servant girl that was, who had been taken captive, was in his house. She was a Hebrew slave taken cap captive and was working in his house and said to her mistress, Would that my master were in Samaria, which of course was the northern kingdom, we would call it Israel, where they were there as a prophet. Well, obviously, number one, Naaman must have been a good guy or, you know, she would not have cared whether or not he got healed. Number two, Elisha clearly had a reputation for a healing ministry. And number three, this guy was desperate enough. He pulled up stakes 
and went all the way down there. I love this story when he comes down and he asks, where is this guy? And the king of Israel panics and says, they're trying to pick a fight. They're trying to start a war. Who am I? I mean, am I God that I should like this? And, and, and when Elijah heard about it, he said, send him to me. How many of you remember Gehazi? Who went after him and said to him, you know, oh, uh, my master needs a couple of change of clothes and every, everything for some people that have come to us. And when he came back, Elisha said, where have you been? He said, oh, nowhere. He said, did not my heart go with you when you attached yourself to the, the man's chariot? And the Naaman's leprosy came upon him. So we see the correlation between rebellion and uh, greed and lying, you know, sin in general. But in 2 Kings chapter 8 and verse 4, Elisha's servant is talking to the king of Israel, recounting the things, the miracles that had happened in, uh, through Elisha's ministry. Now, if that is Gehazi, which the, the scripture doesn't say, but if it was Gehazi, he wouldn't be talking to King Yehoram if, unless he himself had also been healed. I like to think that he was. I like to think that, that he repented and, and God healed him. The man, the leper of Matthew 8, Mark 1, and Luke 5, believed that Jesus could heal him. Amen. That isn't the question. He said, if you are willing, you know, to quote Hamlet, Act 3, Scene 1, I, there's the rub. <laughs> The very character of God is, it is the issue placed before him. I want you to think about this. The way the ministry had treated him, the way the priests had treated him, had not been very encouraging. Think about the, the story of the good Samaritan. How that the man had been beaten and the priest crossed in the, in the Levite passed by on the other side of the road so they wouldn't have to, you know, look at him and, and deal with the issue. Leprosy was seen by everybody as a type of sin. To the Jews, lepers were even worse than Samaritans. Miriam's penalty of gra graphically illustrated the, the, the penalty of the sin of rebellion. And God used leprosy as a sign even on Moses' hand. Remember, he stuck it into his, his cloak. He pulled it out of his leprous. <laughs> Put it back and come out and it's normal. Thank God. Leprosy was perceived to be divine judgment. What did you do? You know, we're quick to do that, aren't we? How did they let that in? That was one of my biggest bones to pick with the charismatic movement back in the day is, you know, if somebody got sick, everybody's running around trying to figure out how it got in. What did you do? Where's your secret sin? Saints, we live in a fallen world where the curse is on the loose and it'll try to jump on anybody. Amen. Hallelujah. And leprosy is progressive. It eats away at the entire body. Body parts will fall off over, over time. And that doesn't even count what it's doing to the internal organs. Even, now I want you to think about this. We're still talking about sin here, the way God sees it. We talk about, as evangelical, full gospel evangelicals, total depravity. Total depravity means that we are contaminated 
by sin in the eyes of God. Even, and I use the illustration of the loaf of bread. I use it all the time. How that, you know, you know, total depravity means that there is a little spot of mold on the bread. Now, one little spot of mold on that loaf of bread. Now, you know, that stuff doesn't bother me. I'm not going to eat it, but I'm going to cut it out or cut it off and I'm going to eat the part of bread where I don't see the mold. Now, I know I've taken a poll here before and the vast majority of you just tossed the whole loaf you, oh, Chris doesn't. All right. So anyway, because she realizes the antibiotic, pro, antibiotic properties of that. No. The fact is, you know, every piece in, in, you know, total depravity means we are depraved. We are contaminated. We are, we have been sullied. We have been corrupted even by just the littlest, the littlest spot of green. Now, that's depravity. Reprobation is where not only do ev does every slice of bread in the loaf have a spot on it, but if you have had the experience I have of finding a loaf of bread that has for many weeks been undergoing the transformation, it has been the food of this mold that's working on it. And the whole thing is just all shriveled up. And it's just like you look at it and you go, there is nothing in here of which I'm interested. Toosh, because it is, that is reprobation. That's where it has been completely taken over. And so even the smallest spot of, go back and read Leviticus. Well, when we went through Leviticus, we talked about how that if you got a thing and it was a red sore and if it had a white place in the middle of it and if there's a hair coming up in the middle of it and it's white and you take it to the priest. And if it's just one sore, the priest looks at it and goes, okay, he has to decide whether or not it's leprosy or it's just a boil. And just a sore. And you might, he might put you in quarantine for, you know, seven days and come back and look at it again. And if he judges that it is leprosy based upon the, the law, then even one little spot was enough to kick you out of polite society. Where you had to live outside of Jerusalem. You couldn't live in Jerusalem. You couldn't live in the walled cities. You had to live alone. You couldn't even live with your family. How many, of you, how many of you see the, the, the hideousness of this? And it, the, the necrotic flesh. I know I'm really, but I, so, Pastor, why are you getting so graphic? This is the way sin looks to God. We think of little sins as being NBD, you know, that's military for no big deal. But even, you know, the necrotic flesh. You know, that's the, rep, you know, we're talking about, you know, reprobation. It, the, the, the sores begin to open up and they begin to ooze and they, this, they get, the bacteria in it gives off a stench. We had a wiener dog, the best dog I ever had. His name was Max, Maximilian von Seelendorf. Well, we lived in Seelendorf when we were in, in Berlin and that's why he was Maximilian von Seelendorf. And toward the end of his, he was, uh, you know, this, uh, when we get to heaven, Kathy can have Tigger, I'm getting Max. And uh, he had an autoimmune disorder that he developed 
uh, toward the end of his life. He lived 12, 13 years and 12 years, a little over 12 years. And when that autoimmune disease would kick in, bacteria would begin to colonize in his skin. And it would it, he would itch, but it, it wasn't really that uncomfortable. But it would get in his ears and it would get on his skin. And we could always tell, you know, that he was struggling with it because you could smell him in the next room. It was terrible. That, that is, the, you know, a leper would have that odor, uh, you know, that stench. And remember, this guy was full. Dr. Luke says he's full of leprosy. He's got, you know. And think about what that'll do to your self-esteem. You know, I, I mean, there, you've got no way to redeem yourself. You've got no way to cleanse yourself. All efforts at self-help were useless. You couldn't sit there and go all through all those YouTube videos figuring out what you could do to adjust your diet to make things better or what you could smear on it, you know. And it would take faith, even perhaps what our Jewish brethren might call chutzpah, you know, some brass, to even approach a rabbi with this, all right. And he even, he just said, if you want to. That's what if you're willing means. If you want to. The leper believed in the power of God. The primary communication here of this miracle is God's heart of compassion for the suffering for his people. You know, it is so much easier to believe God can than to believe God will. We used to sing that song. He is able to deliver thee. He is able to deliver thee. How many of you remember that? Though by sin oppressed, come to him for rest. Our God is able to deliver thee. Well, you know what? We need to change that. He is willing to deliver thee. He is willing. He's not. Everybody believes he's able even the deists believe he is able. This guy came to the right person with a capital P. Amen. Mark says, moved with compassion. Jesus didn't stand there and query him about, well, what have you done with your life? And we're, we're, let's, let's go sorting through this and try to figure out where you got off the rails. Like the woman taken in adultery, his concern was for the man. He was for the sinner first and about the sin second, if at all. And here in Mark 1 and 41, it says it, moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and says to him, I'm willing, be cleansed. Jesus should not touch him. This is where law And love collide. He touched the filthy, ragged, repugnantly diseased man. He didn't have to. He didn't have to touch him. Remember, there was another time when we have ten lepers. One's a Samaritan. And they're screaming from a distance, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And he goes, go show yourselves to the priests. And so they turned and went. And they were healed as they went. He didn't touch him. This is a go. 
How many times do we see? And he healed them with the word. But in this case, and I believe that is one of the reasons, if not the reason, that this particular cleansing out of all the cleansings that Jesus undoubtedly did was recorded for us because it displays the heart of God himself. He is not repelled by our need. He is not repelled by the repugnant nature or the, the, the stench of failure and sin on our lives. He's not afraid to get in, in the, in, right in there with us. Everybody say amen. Now I want you to think about this. The law said to Jesus. Now I want you to think about this. Jesus now technically according to the law has to go offer a chatat. Also called a sin offering. Now it's called a sin offering not because you have sinned. But it is for purification. To touch a dead body you need to offer up a chatat. A purification. It's called, anytime you see sin offering over in Leviticus or Deuteronomy, I say every time, the vast majority of the time. Now, if it's an asham, that's a trespass offering and that's different. But a chetat was a sin offering. It was purification. It was to purify you so that you are now, uh, you are atoned. That means that you are made, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Qualified. To approach God. To approach the sacred space. So now technically. Jesus according to the law. Would need to go to a priest. To be observed. And to offer the chetat. For, you know, for cleansing. Because he had come in contact. With someone who was unclean. But Jesus was in no. But what was the law for? The law was to protect other people from getting the disease. Jesus was in no peril whatsoever Amen. of contracting this disease. He was within the spirit of the law, whether or not he was within the letter. The letter. Jesus is love enfleshed. Jesus is love himself. So this man comes with his need and love himself reach reaches out and touches him. He does love us. And the, this is recorded for us very early in these gospels to set the stage for how much God cares for his people. We mustn't forget that when Moses spoke with the angel in the bush, it starts off talking about the angel, but then it goes, and Yahweh said, and Yahweh responded, and Yahweh became angry with Moses. Yahweh, not an angel. It was the angel of Yahweh, which means it was Yahweh. Well, no man has seen God at any time. We know this from John 1.18 and from 1 John 4. No man has seen God at any time. To include some more modern local individuals who swear they have. No man. Everybody say no man. And Paul says he dwells in unapproachable whom no man has seen nor can see. So who was in the bush? Who was in the bush that was that burned but was not consumed? In other words, it was the glory of God. That's the only way they had to describe it. You know, we, they couldn't say, man, that bush is lit up like an LED light. No, they had no other explanation. It was, it was on fire. And 
that angel of Yahweh, Yahweh number two, God the Word, was in the bush talking with Moses. It was God the Word who walked with Adam in the cool of the day. It was God the Word who appeared to Abraham. It was God the Word who appeared to Gideon. It was God the Word who, you know, in, in, in each and every case, it's a theophany, a pre, you know, it was God who is love. You know, it says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 18, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God <clears throat> who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. He has revealed him. That's why Jesus said, Philip, you say, show us the Father and it's enough for you. Have, do you not, have you been with me this long and you have not come to understand that if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. If you ask the question, well, what's the Father really like? Just look at Jesus. Because he is the very nature of the Father. He is the Word made flesh. This was no mere psychological cure. You know, I made reference earlier to the Enlightenment, Schleiermacher, Tillich, Bultmann, Lessing, all those guys. How that, um, you know, it was a, there was a, many of the healings were psychological in nature. They just, you know, this was no psychological healing because you're, the sores on your hands and on your face and your hair and all on your back and everywhere don't just go away because of a change of mind. You know, Luke says the leprosy left him. That's, you know, uh, what does it say? And immediately the leprosy left him. This is a doctor, a physician charting this man's case. The leprosy was immediately gone. And he was, Mark says, the leprosy uh, left him and he was, this is uh, verse uh, 41, Mark 1, 41. And uh, moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and says to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Verse 42, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he was cleansed. There's a lot more there than meets the eye. Everybody say amen. God wants the whole banana. He doesn't just want one bite of the banana. He wants clean people, not just clean. That's why I believe this guy was probably one of the 120 because God did something in his life well beyond just the physical. Hallelujah. I don't know if they're this, you know, the thing going on in Asbury, that's an evangelical bunch. And I don't know if we're seeing a, an outpouring of the spirit with signs and wonders and things like that. A little bit I've been able to read about it. I don't know. But I can tell you this, whatever is happening there, praise God for it. Thank God for it. Hallelujah. I want everything that's happening there and everything God wants to pour on top of that. Because God cares about restoration. Go show yourself to the priest. Now, how would he be restored? You know, God wants you to be able to get along with other people and be able to. to yeah. And God you know, only now Jesus didn't declare him clean. He, he, he was just cleansed like this. He says, go show yourself to the priest. This wouldn't be the priests, plural, in Jerusalem. It would be one of the regional priests who, you know, were posted to all the areas around there for just such an administrative thing as this. All right. 
And but he so in other words, he was still he was now physically clean, but socially and economically, he was still profane. God wants us whole in every area. He wants us to be completely restored physically, spiritually, socially, financially. I say unto you again, God wants the whole banana. And curiously, he says, say nothing to anyone. Now, why would he do that if our musicians would come? A curious admonition, unless you put it within the political context. And it's not because he was afraid of a claim, because that's exactly what happened. There were too many people there who saw it happen for the cat to not be out of the bag, so to speak. All right. And it probably wasn't just to make sure that the guy went, because it was, it was probably unlikely that he would neglect to go to the priest and get his union card back, so to speak. The provincial priest would take care of this, this, this thing. And do, but G, opposition to Jesus is already forming. Don't tell the priest, well, Jesus healed me. Because the Sadducees and the priesthood were already beginning to take a position very anti-Jesus. He was saying, just tell, you know, just say, I was cleansed. Take the offering. Don't tell them I did it. And whatever you do, don't tell them how I did it. I want you to think about that. Well, he touched me. He did what? He touched me. Well, why isn't he here to get to offer his chetat? Why isn't he here for me? You know, the religious authorities want to control everything. Kind of like the government. Want to control everything. That's where we get our word. You take the word total and then put Aryan on the end of it. Totalitarian. They want to control it. That is the way you kill a revival is try to control it. Revivals are messy. Am I not? They are messy. Why? Because they've got this thing called people in them. And people are a mess. Some of them stink and their hair's disheveled. How many of you with me? And God loves them. Every one of us. Every one of us is, we're, you know, every one of us is our own kind of mess. You know, even though God is in, in the 50 years that I've been filled with the Spirit, God has... 50, well, actually 47 years that I've been filled with the Spirit. God has done a, a great work in me. But like Paul, I would say, not that I believe I've laid hold of it yet. Don't tell them how I did it. Use wisdom in your witness. How many, how many of you know what I'm saying? Use wisdom in your witness. Notice, however, that this man became the second recorded evangelist. He went out and began to proclaim far and wide what Jesus had done for him. 
And it got to the point, his word spread. We don't know how many people he knew. We don't know how many people were in his family. Can you imagine the scene when he goes back to whatever city, you know, he, he, maybe he was from that city. It doesn't tell us what city he was in. We know he was in Galilee, but we don't know which city. And when he walks in the door and all of it, his wife and his children, you know, by, who might by now may be grown and, and all of this, look at him and go, Dad, what happened? And he's clean, restored. His neighbors. Maybe his parents are still alive. I don't know. And they get, well, what happened to you? And it becomes the buzz. Man, guess what happened to whatever his name was? Le- Levy. What happened to Levy? You know, whatever. And it, 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 oh, this is so awesome. And he got so, and he was so pumped. He was so grateful. He was so happy. He spent the rest, maybe the rest of his life pointing people to Jesus. That is why God heals. He demonstrates his love. And when people are, you know, uh, one of my, that same professor, that same Methodist professor, Dr. Tuttle, said, people who are, you know, Jesus talked about he who is forgiven much loves much. He who is forgiven little loves little. Uh, that people who are in deep bondage, I don't even know what a wrist rocket is. The, the, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a slingshot that has that big rubber, you know, heavy rubber that with the, with the leather thing in the back. And it, 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 it's attached to a, an aluminum tubing that you hold it. It's got a handle on it and it wraps around your, your, your forearm to stabilize it. And I mean, you pull that thing back and when you let go of that rock, I'm, or whatever you have in it, I'm telling you, it's not like a little rubber bandy beanie flip. I mean, it comes out, you can, you can kill things with it. People use them to hunt birds and stuff like that. And I mean that wrist rocket. And like, and he said, you get somebody that's really deep in bondage and they've just been, the enemy has just held high carnival in their lives and like that. And when Jesus comes in, it goes whack and slaps the enemy's hand. When they come out, they don't go. They come rocketing out and they are, they were a fool for the devil and now they are not afraid to be a fool for Jesus. Amen. God loves us. His compassion, the heart of God. You know, if you believe that story, you meditate on that story, you'll never, and it gets in your heart, you'll never doubt the commitment of God to heal you. Not even a little. Let's all stand. Those of you watching by web, God bless you. If you do not know Jesus, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. Doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. What a stench you may think your life is. Maybe you feel like you are that loaf of bread that's completely consumed by the mold. It doesn't matter. Jesus said that everyone who comes to him, he will in no wise cast out. There is no such thing as a hopeless case. This fellow felt like he was a hopeless case, but he knew that Jesus could heal him if he wanted to. And Jesus said, I want to. And that's what Jesus is saying to you. I want you. Come to me. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And that the Father has raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. And you just pray, Father God, I believe you. I believe in Jesus. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. And you will pass from death into life. 
when you pray from your heart. Once you do that, you need to get in a good church where they are preaching and teaching the word of God. Where you can get around like-minded brethren because this world around us is going to hell on a roller coaster. It is speeding up. And believer, if you are watching and you are not fully engaged in the kingdom of God, I want you to, to consider doing so immediately. Because this is not a day to nibble around at the edges. This is the day to be all in. This is the year. Revival apparently is here. And we are believing God for it. Amen. And whenever God starts blessing, the devil starts messing. So we're in for a wild ride. Hallelujah. Amen. We hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center or at our website, ICC Family, all one word, iccfamily.org. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.